0: My name is Rutendo Nyamuda, and welcome to another phenomenal, audacious episode of In My 20s. In my 20s. So while you're here, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. So it is officially October and we are in Mental Health Awareness Month. And so the next full episode of the In My 20s podcast will focus on mental health. So welcoming my guest onto the In My 20s podcast and into the In My 20s family, here she is.
1: Hello, In My 20s podcast listeners. My name is Elna Schütz. I am a German South African and I am a freelance journalist who always has time to listen to a story and I love good red wine, good music um, and always good conversations. Yeah.
0: Now, on every episode of the In My Twenties podcast, my guests always come through with these incredible mind moments, or gem moments, and this is just one of them. Before I knew it, I
1: had spent a week, so seven days, where I had had four conversations with a person face to face wow
0: and that was the breaking point for me the in my 20s podcast is split up into three sections in the first section we get to hear a little bit more about Elna's career journey in the second section we dive into today's topic which is all about freelancer isolation and the impact it has on one's mental health and finally, rounding up all three sections is a conversation on the all-consuming quarter-life crisis. Let's get straight into it. So, Elna, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your career history, what you've studied, a bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? I would almost start by saying that
1: I, um, I did a
0: gap year in Germany
1: because I'm a big proponent of gap years if you're able to take them whatever they might look like for me it was a year where I really got to decide a little bit or realize that you get to decide who you want to be mm.
0: um
1: so I did a gap year and throughout that year thinking about what I wanted to study um words and creativity and media kept coming up and everybody would say to me um don't you want to be a journalist? And I would say no. Journalists are vultures and mm-hmm. run into people's pain. And then I had a realisation of thoughts that, first of all, that's not what journalism is, mm-hmm. and secondly, that it doesn't have to be what my journalism is. Mm-hmm. So I studied uh, English and journalism, specialised in radio journalism, mm-hmm. and um yeah, went went quite deeply into that and. That is when I listened to my first radio audio documentaries and uh, podcasts. Mm -hmm. I can still, to this day, remember the episode of a podcast that I listened to the very first time where I took off my headphones and thought, that, the feeling I have right now, Mm -hmm. that is what I want people to feel. Like, I want to make that. And I think a lot of creators have that one moment where Mm -hmm. they walk into a building and they think, I want to make spaces like this. Or, Mm -hmm. And for me, it was this podcast episode that was just the epitome of a great
0: story that's very interesting I love that you know there was that moment because I do think especially when it comes to creatives you do have that moment I I remember watching an Oprah Winfrey interview with Paola Coelho and she said "Um, do you remember the moment where you awakened and he was like yes and he was like I can tell you the date and time and what I was wearing and it's kind of like that's the moment your life changes and for you it was storytelling and and audio and which is such a beautiful craft as well um, and so what, what is your kind of audio and craft journey? Cause I know you're quite involved in, um, uh, both podcasting and radio from Rhodes University. I went to Witt University
1: this time as a staff member. And I worked on very specialist radio shows. Even in that job, I was doing live radio, but the kinds of live radio I was making mm. and the projects I was pursuing on the side, um, for, for the same company or for the university were always Within narrative, storytelling, longer form. So I have this desire for long-form, intricate, where I'm sitting with hours and hours and hours of audio and I bring it down to the perfect five minutes. Wow. But then on the other hand, I am a total junkie for that second, the on-air red light goes on and and I'm in studio and the world is alive, you Mm. know. So... I have both of that, I Mm. think, in me, and um, as you very well know, and we'll we'll get to this in more detail, but I, at the end of last year, after a very long process, finally decided to go freelance, Mm. um, which was very much motivated for me by a new iteration of this desire to tell stories, I sort of realized that there were so many more stories in me that I wasn't entirely able or free to pursue. And I got to the point where I I said, I
0: have to take this chance. Tell me, when did you make the decision to go from full-time employee number one to freelancing? I
1: love that you ask that question because it is not a decision you sit down and just make one random Tuesday. Mm. Some people do, and obviously some people get forced into it. They lose their job or they can find a job or whatnot. But for me, it was a very, very long process that had been coming, I think, for quite a while um, in, in terms of am I happy at this job? Is it fulfilling me? If I wanted to go somewhere else, what would I want to go to? And that kind of stuff. Um, And then... I made the actual decision probably a couple of months mm. before I handed in my resignation where I started realizing, okay, I'm willing to quit even if I don't have something else. And um, freelancing is something that I'm going to say yes to, even though I felt incredibly against it. Mm. So for myself personally. And so that's why it took so long for me to say yes to that. Mm. And I sort of said yes not to i didn't have the courage to do it immediately but to sort of say i'm going to say i'm going to quit at the end of the year okay and um and that's not just a courage thing that's a planning thing because you really if you're able to if you're in a salued position that you are not that's not toxic and you're able to stay um i would say stay Okay. Stay for two months, stay for three months, stay for that bit to get your contacts in order, to get your uh little your little cushion mm-hmm. of savings mm-hmm. ready, to wrap your head around what freelancing means, mm-hmm. where you're gonna work, how you gonna do things. I went through that whole process for months and I spent a lot of time speaking to freelance friends mm-hmm. um and new freelancers, meeting people and having very long conversations with them about the good things and the bad things mm. and when it got to the point of quitting mm. I had processed so much of my fear
0: and my concern that it that I wasn't scared anymore. In my opinion, and when I think of freelancing or freelancer's life, I imagine you know working in your pyjamas, waking up at 10am in the morning, because you're working for yourself essentially, so you're your own boss. Is the picture of freelancer's life as accurate as those who are not in it think it is? Because it sounds very luxurious. Mm. Let me tell you, you know that
1: famous phrase, is a book with this title, um, wherever I go, there I am, mm. or wherever you go, there you are. That that counts for freelancing, too. If you have weaknesses in your job personally, guess what? They're coming with you. Wow. But now you don't have a, a boss to check you. If you have strengths as, as a worker, if I can say that, those are coming with you. Um, and, and your particularities. So I am very adventurous. I'm very spontaneous. But I love systems. That followed me, um, and those kinds of things. So I say that to say there isn't just one picture, mm-hmm. and part of the work that you do as a new freelancer is finding your own way. So I have freelance friends who work a very strict 9 to 5. They have systems. They work at home or they work in office. It's like an office job, but it's for themselves. Then I have friends who one day they're, up at 3am, <laughs> next day they're up at 12, it's it's completely, you know, out to see. And um, now I'm somewhere in the middle. And so, is it as idyllic? Mm-hmm. Um, some of it, yeah. Some of it, not that much. Mm-hmm. It's a very mixed... The best way I would like, describe it is that there's very high highs and low lows, yeah. and the average... The trick is getting the
0: average between those to a good place. Mm, Okay. You mentioned something very interesting, which is the boss and reporting to someone. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of my friends and I've worked as well in many different companies. There is always this interesting about the person you work for, your manager. And sometimes people say they didn't leave their job because of the people, because usually the people are the reason you're able to sustain Mm -hmm. being in the office from 8 until 5 or longer. But sometimes it's the managers that are just so tough. And so people have this idea that if I either leave or just work for myself, it'll be easier. But there is so much security as well in working for someone because you know, regardless of how much work you do or don't do during that month, you're still going to get your salary come payday. But for freelancers, no work, no pay kind of a thing. Yes.
1: So before I answer this, I am not speaking to you if you are in a toxic working environment. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a different situation if you need to get out, just get out <laughs> like it's fine, yeah, not talking about that um because what what we're about to say, I think would be the Worst thing for the person to hear. Um, I was worried about this because I had great colleagues. Um, I had an amazing working environment and I, um, I was aware of how much that sustained me, how happy it made me to be able to take that five minute break and joke with people and be in an environment and be in the city. And I knew that that was psychologically and emotionally, um, keeping me Really happy, um, and fulfilled. And I was extremely worried with good reason about losing that. And yet it is true that, uh, you, you build your own network. Hmm. I have, it took me a while, but I have a strong network of mentors, of friends, of people here and internationally of messaging boards I'm on and email lists and WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups and I have all of these people I am constantly talking to um even you Nintendo I'll like send a quick message and be Mm. like what do you think about this or I have people that I'm on a call with almost every day Mm. um and so that kind of network I had to build myself Mm. and I think that is so true for almost everything you're going to ask me about freelancing is yes you have to build it yourself Mm. that makes it hard but that also makes it good okay right and so um one other important thing to say about that is just because you don't have a boss doesn't mean you don't have clients Mm -hmm. and in some ways um Clients can be incredible, but clients can also be tough because mm-hmm. now it's all on you. You can't just um, you know, you can't be rude to a client, none yes, of that. Yeah. Um so so yes, you you do have a lot of freedom because you can let clients go,
0: mm-hmm. you can end relationships um if you want to or if you have to. Okay. And so you spoke about the high highs and the low lows, mm-hmm. and I particularly want to focus on Kind of the low side of things, because when, when the highs are there, they're great. You've got the client, you know, they're paying you hopefully on time. You're, you're, you're managing your time. You're having coffees or cocktails at 2 PM in the afternoon, but you know, maybe working until 3 AM. Um, there is that positive side of it's my time. You can work remotely as well, whether you're in Cape Town or Joburg or New York or London. I have actually worked in my bikini in a heatwave
1: with champagne in Barcelona before and I just sat there it was midnight on holiday and I'm working Mm -hmm. this is a
0: pretty good life decision (laughs) you've made here girl you're like you did good you did good freelancers 101 yeah freelancers will unite in Barcelona Um, but with that also comes the low lows. Um, in one of the discussions we had, you spoke about freelancer isolation, but yeah, there's is something that is very, very real. And with it actually being mental health awareness month, there are a lot of psychological impacts that isolation created by freelancing or working from home 24 seven and not seeing people kind of creates yes. can you chat a little bit about your experience um if you've had a freelancer isolation mm,
1: i remember i was talking about this and it was in all of my reading before going freelancing and there's an article online about freelancing problems i've probably read it <laughs> um, and This was the one that surprised me. A lot of these things, about like five things you need to know Mm. before you freelance. uh, Most of them, I could see how they made sense. The isolation surprised me and was always top three. Mm. Um, What were the other two? Usually uh, getting clients or like the ups and downs of of money. Mm.
0: Um,
1: And the isolation surprised me and I was... I thought I was aware of it beforehand, but it is one of those things, like a lot of mental health issues or things or challenges that you can think about it a lot beforehand. That doesn't mean you will necessarily recognize it and handle it well when you're in it. Okay. So I um I've had times when it wasn't a problem at all, especially when I've had a semi-regular client that I can know, oh, this week, twice a week I'm with this person, mm. or every Tuesday I go in for a meeting or whatnot. Mm. But when that isn't the case, it can sneak up on you. Mm. Um, and I had my ups and downs throughout the year, and then um in, I think, about July or August – I had a job that, that I said yes to a gig, gig that I said yes to. There was some remote work and it worked out a little bit differently than me and the client had expected. It was a lot more than we'd expected and that was fine. They were happy with it. Before I knew it, I had spent a week, so seven days where I had had four conversations with a person face to face. Wow. Four. Wow. I don't think it comes across how much that can mess with you. Mm. I love my alone time, always have. Introversion is great. Yeah. Like, don't touch me on a Sunday, like all of that. Yeah. But that messes with you no matter how much of an introvert you are. Mm. And that was the breaking point for me where it really did get to me that yeah. week to the point where by by Friday, Saturday, I I was feeling the equivalent of a depressive episode just because I had no stimulation. Wow. Um, and
0: I was chatting to people on WhatsApp, I was on calls, I was yeah. talking to clients, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. It really is. And and you kind of take for granted when you are working for someone full-time that you walk into the office, you see the receptionist, you greet the receptionist, you greet your colleagues, you greet everyone who's in the building, even if they're not part of your department or part of your office, you have that human interaction. So now you're saying seven days, you saw four people. Yeah. That's crazy. Two of whom were my, ma- <laughs> were my mother. Okay. <laughs> so,
1: um, the thing here that you don't think about, um, I actually learned on a podcast mm. about um, NASA astronauts where they were testing sort of isolation in astronauts. Yeah. And um, the thing that the astronauts said was, it's not being alone that gets to you. Mm. It is the, abs- the absence of opportunity. You could have run into an old friend from high school mm. and seen that they're pregnant. Mm. You could have walked past a new coffee shop and mm. had an amazing slice of cake. Yeah. If you sit in your house, there was no way for life to surprise you. And that is my and apparently NASA's belief, is what's so toxic about isolation. Sure. Not that you're alone. It's that you're not surprised. Mm. Um it's you're not stimulated. So that was my lowest point, I think. Mm. And I really had to make some decisions after that to hopefully never go to that place again. It's it's an extreme place, not every not everybody will be there, Mm. but um in some form freelance isolation I think gets to all of us and and you have to learn to get out of it, especially if you are like me, where for five years, probably nine years before that, if you count my studies, I was one of those people who always ran at a hundred and whatever percent. Yeah. I hate when people say that because 100% <laughs> a hundred percent is all but at a hundred percent. You did
0: more than the course required. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and like I'm that person who's like who always has snacks in the car because mm. I never, and a pair of heels because you never know what's going to happen. And yes. like I do a thousand things, and yeah. my life never sits still. And then you're sitting alone in your house, and you're supposed to make your own work and make your own. Thankfully, I'm a journalist, yeah. so like, yeah. like you can run out and meet people and go to news stories and whatnot. Yeah. But um, it
0: is real. I read a in- interesting statistic. Uh, there were two actually that were very interesting as one that isolation has the same health impact and effect as smoking does and as obesity does. So that for me was very scary. The UK, as in a whole Britain, has a Ministry of Loneliness. Did you know that? Oh, my gosh. That actually speaks to how important and how scary this um, issue is that there's a ministry of loneliness. A couple of countries have them. I was very surprised. Mm. Um, but
1: yes, huge health effects. It, it just has to do with, we're social animals mm. in the, in our most basic form and we thrive off of healthy social communication. Yeah. And obviously there is a lot of healthiness that happens for us online but it's not enough mm. and i think
0: it i think we fool ourselves yeah you are freelancing at the moment you've been doing it for almost a year what advice would you give to someone who is freelancing at the moment who is either facing freelancer isolation or it may come to them number 1
1: create a community create lots of communities virtual in person, all of it. Um, have and foster relationships with people very strongly. I spend a significant amount of time having coffee with people in a very purposeful way. I send messages to people constantly and get them back. There's a there's a lot of like sharing and trading that's going on. Number two is actually the obvious one: do stuff. So get out the house. Um, this depends on what kind of freelancing you're doing. A lot of freelancing means you are with clients anyway, but um, make sure that you're not just sitting alone, even if you are doing a remote job. Find people in your industry or outside of your industry to sit in coffee shops with. And then lastly, very shortly, is connect yourself socially. Even though you're a freelancer now, your social life is going to change a little bit. You may not be as reliable as you used to be, both financially being able to go on that like big girls night out or like afford a movie this month or be able to pay for food but also just in terms of timing because you're going to go through a lot of stuff emotionally financially and and you need your people to be on board with that. We're doing the third
0: trimester of the podcast, all about the 20s journey. Ooh. So how would you describe your 20s? I want to say creative in
1: terms of creating, creating my life, creating myself, creating my ideas, being a creator. I definitely loved my 20s. I loved my independence and growing up and realizing that you get to be yourself and that That self is going to evolve Mm. and um, make your own decisions and make your own mistakes. Yeah. My 20s did not turn out the way I thought they would at all. At all. But I think it has matured me. Sometimes I wonder whether I will become in my 30s this nomadic, creative, traveler, person, connected and helping people, all that stuff, I wonder whether I will become that person that I dreamed of when I was 18 in my 30s. And my
0: 20s were actually
1: the process of maturing myself there.
0: Mm. I always find that the 20s journey, I mean, having spoken to quite a few people um, on the podcast, is it's this beautiful self-discovery phase Almost like the way that a a caterpillar becomes a butterfly in that process of, you know, breaking through, unlearning, relearning uh, self-discovery, which I think is so fascinating and so beautiful. I love that he said that. I was writing this piece the other day um, that had this little bit in it that said, You
1: are stardust, babe, squished in between ribs, constantly trying to find words for just how alive being human feels in a crazy bundle of constant becoming. Wow, and and that to me is a lot of what my twenties are like. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever experienced the quarter life crisis? Mm-hmm. And if you have, when was it and what was it?
1: I think the times when I was in a job that was a perfectly fine job, there were so many things that were great, mm-hmm. but not really right for me at the time wanting things that didn't have a shape yet and it's not just about doing the thing that changes or that releases you or whatever it's not just about that thing it's about realizing identifying and working through your desires before you fulfill them it's about either recognizing them or standing by them Um, a part of that process is looking at truths that you have or or ideas that you have spoken over yourself um, saying I don't do this or I can't do this or I am not this kind of person um, out of fear not out of of lack of desire Um, and I think for a very long time I agreed with the world that being the second in charge right hand man Back of the line, support staff would be a great place for Elna to be. The problem is that's not what I want.
0: Um, so, Elna, you have had a very interesting journey, very interesting career journey, very interesting life journey. What advice do you have for people in their 20s in general? Ooh,
1: um, I'm going to give you advice from a quote, one of my favorite quotes of all time by Rolf. Waldo Emerson, it hangs in my bedroom and it has for many, many years, Um, he said, Each man has his own courage, but is betrayed when he seeks in himself the courage of other people. And so my advice in your 20s is find your values, find your understanding of the world, ground yourself, but ultimately find your own courage.
0: Thank you so much, Elna, for coming onto today's episode of the In My Twenties podcast and sharing your personal journey of how you became a freelancer and also your experiences with freelancer isolation. I also want to thank you so much for sharing ways to combat freelancer isolation. You spoke about getting connected. You spoke about finding a mentor. And most importantly, you spoke about just getting out there. Make time to go to the gym, go for a walk, see friends, see family, your health relies on this. So we will catch you same time, same place, right here on in my twenties. In my twenties, in my twenties. How old are you? I am in my in my twenties. She's in her twenties. She's in her twenties. She's in her twenties. I am she said she is in my oh yeah she is my 20s she's in her 20s ease she's in her 20s ease she's in <laughs> okay bye